Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. Uh, Meg is out of town this week, so it'll just be me and Jeff and our special guest, acclaimed animation writer, director Patrick Osborne. In addition to directing one of my favorite animated shorts, Feast, he animated on films like Surf's Up, I Am Legend, Bolt, Tangled, and Wreck-It Ralph, which I also love, among others. Patrick is an Oscar-winning, Emmy-nominated creator who has traced an unconventional path in the entertainment business that includes creating a live-action sitcom, Imaginary Mary, and recently directing a concert film for one of the world's biggest pop stars, Billie Eilish. Patrick, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to be here and talk to you both. I'm a fan of the show, so it's all it's cool to uh, see behind the curtain. It's very special, <laughs> Luckily, right? my, my curtain is closed. So nobody can see that behind that curtain, behind me, that no one at home can see this, is my laundry room. So we're not actually going to go behind the curtain. You have a Swiffer? There's a Swiffer right there. There's some trash (laughs) over in this corner of the frame. So just so everyone knows, we take ourselves very seriously over here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in a garage. I have everything out of focus and it looks, so the clutter looks pretty. But uh, It's clear that you're like a director in terms of like, (laughs) it just looks like very moody. So Jeff... I think you, I think you got to figure out how to get whatever he's got. Going I know on. it's like, the Boca. I don't know how you have that nice depth of field in that shot, but uh, maybe is it your webcam? It's uh, it's not a webcam. It's uh, it's my old black magic cinema camera oh, with a, uh, with a prime. I think it's a, 50? yeah, 24 millimeter 24 on it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes okay, sense. So was... this is not about being a director or not. This is about <laughs> technology. <laughs> Sorry, it's an old old camera, but it's an old (laughs) camera that uh, that doesn't hold its charge anymore and you can use it as a webcam. So why not? Well, it's always the lens. It's never the camera. It's always the lens. So you've got a nice lens on there, Patrick. Well, today, uh, Patrick is joining us to talk about how to maintain a North Star as we develop our work through many iterations with many voices contributing to our work. Uh, and other things. But before we get to that, we're going to do our uh, adventures in screenwriting, which Patrick has agreed to do with us. So as usual, I'll go first. Um, My week, I have been challenging myself to write from high concept outside in. I usually start with a character. Um, What can happen though, is I get very bogged down in the character because it's so fun, like history and relationships, which I need to get to, but without a high concept, I end up creating these wonderful characters and relationships, but then I don't know what the engine of the story is. Um, And then I can't figure out a plot, something I want them to be doing, and it all feels very artificial. I eventually get there. But I, so I thought, um, what if I started with high concept? What if I started with log lines? Uh, So I have been spending some time coming up with those. And it's actually really fun and freeing because I don't have to worry about so much. It's like set up, act two, problem, and I'm out. And then, you know, like, does this work? Is this appealing? Who might be interested in this? And then going from there. So that's been really fun. Um, and of course, I have a couple pitch pitches that I'm working on that, you know, the industry is in a bit of a, I don't know how you would describe what's going on in the industry right now, but it is 
chaotic from the inside out it's and the bumpy. outside in. It's a, What's that? It's a, it's a bumpy. It's a dip. It it's feels bumpy. a little bit. So I'm thinking we're thinking on all the projects like maybe we'll hold and pitch them in the beginning of the new year when maybe some things have resolved. I try not to read deadline because <laughs> I just uh, it sort of blows me out. So I'm trying to really focus on, um, uh, you know my work and how I can challenge myself in my craft, but also still have fun and keep focused. And the other thing that's been going on is um, I did want to talk a little bit about, so, you know, I have a husband and a daughter and being a writer is challenging to disconnect from that, especially in work at home. But my kid, you know, has type one diabetes. And last week she got this weird eye infection that required antibiotics. And as soon as we got home from the, you know, her eyelid was all swollen. And as soon as we got home from the doctor, she got this cold like a big awful cold. So she has an infection and a virus at the same time. And what that means is her blood sugar numbers are incredibly hard to control. So it was really hard to focus um, on work. You know, she feels bad. She's, you know, got the whiny cold thing. I know I'm going to get it. I just know it. And I did, I got it. Another present for my daughter. She loves me so much, but that's a piece of life that I think all of us deal with, whether we have kids who are medically complex or kids at all or relationships, but like being alive is complicated. And it's so hard to figure out for me what I'm using as an excuse not to work and what actually I need to shut work off and focus on the thing so I don't feel totally fractured. And that is not a skill I have mastered yet. And no matter what choice I make, I always beat myself up about it. Oh, I ignored my daughter or, oh, I, I, I use that as an excuse. Like that's always, it can't just be, I am a person and I have a lot of responsibility and stress and it is okay to take this time to do this thing. Um, it's really hard for me to manage that. So I'm, I'm struggling with that a little bit, but perhaps my new strategy about coming up with high concepts will help me zoom way out and look at the big picture, which is taking time away from her occasionally is not the end of the world. And taking time off is not the end of the world. So maybe that's how I'll wrap this week up. I'm totally <laughs> the, I'm, I'm such the opposite of you as far as like, I feel like I struggle entirely with uh, the character side and, and, and getting into that and start almost everything with the concept. And um, really, yeah. that's why I love hey, it. Maybe we would work together someday. I know I would way. love that. I love but, uh, IP. I love working with other writers, you know, helping them like dig into their stuff. I love collaborating because it feels like especially when you have like, I have this skill set, you have that skill set, then you can work together to sort of find the, the real sort of gems in there. But um, yeah, it's just so interesting how everyone works so differently. But for sure. Yeah. Animation, what I do mostly is like, in, there's no way to do it other than massively collaborative. So it's, uh, it's one of the tricks is figuring out what everyone does well and putting that team together. It's going to work great to, together. Yeah. Absolutely. So how was your week this week? Well, I think uh, like I, I do a lot of work adjacent things sometimes and like make that and trick myself into feeling like that's actually being creative and getting something done. And I think sometimes it is like sometimes it actually is beneficial, but sometimes it's procrastinating. And um, I guess you need that too. You need your time. But I came back from vacation like less than a week ago, an actual vacation where I didn't bring a laptop and um, which felt like a big win in the first place. Uh, I have two young kids and it's constantly chaos in our house where my wife and I both work at home in the animation business. So um, two kids running around, uh, one who is actually in the house all the time, 
while we're both doing Zoom calls all day is interesting. Um, every morning I check in with the studio Nexus that I work with in, in London that uh, I'm working on a few projects with and they're on, you know, eight, nine hours time zone earlier. So it's a it's a weird like morning meeting consistent thing that needs to happen to get anything done there. Um, did a panel at an animation conference in North Hollywood and uh, on real time tools and tech and animation last week. I had lunch with my agent, which I have not had done in three years because of the pandemic. And uh, which is, it's always nice, you know, um, my, I, my team is pretty wonderful, but they, you know, they're, they're busy people. It's hard to get like one-on-one -on -one FaceTime for a couple hours, like a lunch to really go over things. And it's nice to do. Uh, uh, did a round table for a brand. I don't know if writers do this sometimes, but you get called to have like a, get a few bucks and, um, and, you know, talk about whatever product, if there's any kind of cool commercials to be made. And, uh, and, um, and then it's Oscar season. Uh, and I, you know, one of the perks of being an Academy member is I, I find it a huge privilege to get to watch all the shorts live action and animated and help uh, whittle them down to the short list of 10. So I go to, uh, you know, get invited to screenings and we do some in-person ones and online things to try to do that. It's always really fun to see what people are doing with shorts, which I think are the, I think is the most pure version of creative filmmaking out there because usually they're not financially focused. They're, you know, just for art's sake, which is really cool. And, and then this morning, like an hour ago, I pitched a TV show to a giant studio. Um, How'd it go? How do you feel? It felt great. I oh, awesome. Don't, I mean, I've never had the like, we'll buy it in the room thing. That seems like a, um, that seems like a myth. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it happens, but. Um, I, I had it the first show I pitched. That first oh, show I well, pitched. Well, that's terrible. But no, no, <laughs> I mean, no. That's no, no, amazing, that, but terrible. Yeah. That, no, that show was very much like, it was my first TV show. It was the first time I'd pitched. They're like, let's do it. And then I, the setup is terrible. I was expecting that that's how it went. It has yeah. never, ever, ever been even close to that. Like deals take six months to go. Like yeah. Yeah. we'll take, you know, forever to decide, but you know, it, so I have had it, it exists, but you know. I've had shows that, yeah, I've had shows that I pitch on where, um, or movies, you know, you spend two months trying to get the job, you get the job, nine to 12 months of uh, negotiating lawyers by the time you do that, the executives who like you have uh, been fired and there's no more show after the year. It's, yes. a, it's a I've also had heartbreaking that. cycle. Um, but uh, that's kind of what we're, I think we're talking about a little bit later, yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, So I want to get to Jeff's week, but first yeah. I want to ask, where did you go to lunch with your agent? Hugo's in West Hollywood. How was it? Was it fancy? No, it's not. <laughs> but it's sceny kind of I, I mean okay. like there's, I think you uh, there are probably yeah it's like it's it's really drab and I mean sorry Hugo's I you know Hugo's uh, is fantastic we it's love an, it's, it the food was nice you know it was yeah. it was not I we can cut this part too why don't yeah, we cut this no part? I think it's fine but I, I don't do <laughs> I don't think like there's a there's like a like I don't know my team they're really like the agents aren't very agency the ones that down I, yeah, they're yeah. very down to people. And they're like, uh, they're a nice team that like I get along with and that's why I went with them. So like, it's a, I think the super fancy dinner would be out of, or lunch would be kind of weird and out of place for the yeah. people. Yeah. I don't know. I always, <laughs> I always like, I like that whole culture, like just picking at it. Like what, what is it actually like? Cause you see it on TV 
and then there's the reality, right? Yeah, it was so actually, think, it was picked mostly because it was in between our two, the two places that we were. Yeah. I um, think that is the majority of how meeting places get determined. It's where yeah. are you? Where am I? What time is it? What day exactly, is it? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Um, Jeff, how was your week? Uh, before I get into my week, I also had one more follow-up question for you too, Patrick, which is um, you're watching, you know, the potential Oscar shorts. So whenever I'm watching great work, I like kind of spiral between like feeling very inspired and excited about the power of art and like panicking about the fact that I'm not making it or like I should be. Do you have that at all as you're watching you these should, amazing well, things? You should watch them if you have any opportunity to like they screen them at the Academy on Wilshire uh, because like uh, they're not all great. So you you do get like you do find amazing ones. That you're like how did anybody come up with that? It's beautifully done. It looks like it was millions of dollars and it definitely wasn't. Um, but then you also have ones that were, you know, like to qualify, you just have to play in a theater in Los Angeles. So you can kind of buy your way in too. So they're, and it's not that expensive to, you know, pay a theater to play a couple of times. So it's a, it is a huge mix. And it's actually kind of like watching them all makes you realize how accessible it probably is where people don't realize that it is like it really, and it really is, um, you know, I would be terrified to go watch it amongst the voter group at the Academy because they do this thing. Everybody gets a little flashlight. This is kind of like the old school way, but they still do it when you do the in-person screening is that and if, if people uh, decide that they don't want to continue watching your short after halfway through, every, people can turn on their flashlights. And if enough people have their flashlights on, the short stops playing and they move on to the next one. And because it's nightmarish because it's 120 to 180 shorts to play over two days. It's a lot of stuff. So if it's bad, everyone raises their hand, agrees that it's bad. And if it's gone past a, like a, a certain minute mark, I don't know what the rule is. They just go to the next one. And uh, that would be like hard, to, hard to like, I, I would never recommend anybody go like watch their own short play in that theater. I would just imagine it's terrible. That now, is an amazing note. The other, don't watch your short. <laughs> the other thing that's really cool is in the app itself, uh, all the Academy members have a, have a, like a Apple TV or Roku app or whatever. And uh, you have to watch the whole, you have to watch at least 50% of all of them to vote. So there is not like, um, it, it takes a considerable amount of watching and effort. And you do have to have like a nice view of the whole group in order to, so I, I do feel like, and it's only voted on by the shorts and animation branch people. So it's, uh, it's actually like your peers voting for that nomination. Once it's nominated, everyone votes. And then it's, you know, all bets are off as far as the, you know, expertise or how much an individual cares about animation or shorts. But the initial nomination is actually by the people who really care. And I think that's pretty cool and rare. Really cool. Right, Thanks for sharing. Great peek inside how some of the process works because it all seems very mysterious from the outside like oh here are the shorts that are picked that are nominated so thank you for that their website has like a the academy website has just a what it takes to qualify and it's within reach for a lot of people i think that maybe don't realize it especially on the live action side That's super cool. cool thanks for sharing um in terms of my week lauren i identify with your approach to story which is character first i feel like I'm more in the McKenna school than the Osborne school in terms of how I approach my work. But um, I just got notes today, actually. I'm like coming fresh off of notes. 
meeting and I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like somehow I just, maybe it was the elegance with which the notes were given or the fact that they were padded by a lot of here's what I liked. Um, but I kind of have moved past, definitely moved past fuck you. And like, I feel like I'm not even really having fuck me. Maybe when I get back to the page, I will. Like probably when I try to treat it, it's going to yes, all please, come to me. Please prepare yourself when you start to <laughs> dig into the note itself. You might have a little mini eruption of that cycle again. I think. I'll keep you all posted. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's nice. I feel like as someone who kind of feels like I'm better with character and dialogue than I sometimes am with story, I feel like the things that this reader responded to positively were mostly character and like voice, which is good. Like, I feel like I, at least that doesn't feel like it's getting blown up yet. I'm sure it will when I have to recard it and like get back in there. I'm sure things will get blown up, but it kind of feels like the North starry heart part that we're going to be talking about today, at least with this notes meeting feels like it's still in there, which is good. And it's like everything. It's a first act problem, but this notes giver gave a really great suggestion as to a seemingly small, but kind of major change that it's that thing where you hear a note and you're like, oh, that's great. And it's a first act note. And all of a sudden you're seeing act two change and you're seeing scenes open up and change. And I don't know, I'm like in a weird, maybe it's me maturing as a writer or maybe it's this particular project, but for some reason I'm like feeling excited and kind of energized rather than like, I want to crawl into a hole. So I'll keep you all posted, but um, that's exciting. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. I, I think too, I'm starting to change my language about how I talk about where I am in terms of like, I'm not good at this. I'm trying to find a different way to frame it for myself. You know, I, I'm challenging myself to mm -hmm. be better at this thing rather than I'm not good at this. I talked to a lot of writers at ASF who are in that space of like, I'm bad at structure, I'm bad at dialogue. And it's like, if you, you're in charge of your narrative, if you tell people who you are and what you're good at or bad at, you know, you will talk yourself out of opportunities. You will talk yourself out of people working with you. So, um, right. so I'm trying to say like, I'm, I'm, not bad at log lines and plot. I just uh, want to challenge myself to, I think it's more about coming up with it at the same time, right? The the big picture and the characters. So you, you didn't say any of this. I'm just thinking like for our listeners, as we tell the story of who we are as writers and where we are in our craft, it's about you tell people who you are and they'll believe you. I'm a writer. Oh, now you think I'm a writer. I'm really good at dialogue and character and I love writing high concept log lines. How about that? Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> it's, it's really tricky for me to like, to like, I've been a, a keyframe animator, like for most of my career, 15 years of uh, doing the acting part, like the physical acting, not like animators will hear the voice of an actor and perform to that. And uh, even to jump to something to say like this is my thing is a hugely vulnerable spot. That's tricky at first. And then, Beyond that, um, it you know it took a while to even say you know it's it's weird for me to say that a, a short film like Feast or Pearl uh, are written and they are like I literally did write scripts down but it was weird for me to ever say like I wrote those even though no one else did and um, and it it actually took like taking a job like someone's like on one call one day they're like would you do you just want to write this and I'm like yes. And then that's how that combined with, you know, uh, selling an actual show is why I'm in the WGA. I still struggle with saying like, I write things because I don't do a lot of like opening. I mean, I never, never open final draft, I use other things, but like I, um, I never, I don't usually open screenplay software and start typing. Like my process is different, but um, mm -hmm. writing looks different, you know, mm -hmm. 
from yeah i mean i think that's coming up with the story when it comes down to it yeah and animation is so collaborative and there's the way animators come up in the industry is so different than say you know story artist or a write you know it's just all very different so you found a process that works for you which is amazing but yeah you're a writer no one else wrote that you did yeah now i mean now i've officially been like paid for a screenplay which feels a little bit more like actual writery after after a while but uh, like that that you know yeah that feels that feels official there's I, I got health insurance for it for one year that felt official you know yeah that's pretty sweet <laughs> I will say I will admit that I have uh was about to get a job and I said something like well I'm not really good at this part I'll need help with this and I did not get the job and my manager called me and she was like why did you talk yourself out of getting this job? You were going to get the job and then oh, you, no. you, and I was like, oh, I did. I did do that thing. I'm not going to do that thing anymore. So just be very careful. You know, luckily I had a manager to call me and be like, you fucked up, asshole. Why'd you do that? You know, she didn't say that, but that was the subtext. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't, so- I don't always recommend like saying yes when you're not sure if you can do it. Like you do want to be able to I deliver. I could have done it. But yeah, if you actually could have, and if, it's, if it's like a small reach, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I try to be aware of what I don't know. And when someone points it out and offers like, you know, this partner would help with that to not resist that. I think like that, that's. Yeah, this wasn't thing. that. No, this was me. <laughs> this was me. Uh, I don't know what I was doing. Self-sabotage. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other part of the conversation, but you know. I think sometimes it's hard because like our writer self needs to be super examine and self-aware and sensitive and like aware of all the rough edges of who our characters are. But then sometimes like our business self needs to just at least bury some of that and at least fake like we have a ton of self-confidence. Um, and it can be hard because if you're just coming off of pages where you were really digging into your lava and then all of a sudden you're hopping on a call, you sometimes have to like put a different hat on, I think, um, for those types of situations. That's yeah, totally sure. fair. Um, all right, well, let's get into our interview. So how did you break into the business? What does that mean to you? <laughs> um, well, I went to art school to be a, uh, I thought a hand-drawn animator, but I, I went to school in 1999 when uh, 2D animation, as far as like um, big budget, giant 2D animation was considered to be dying and everyone's like, go to 3D. And I had, you know, I was a, kid raised on video games and love 3d so it was fun to like see the get into the future of of what animation would be and I graduated at a really convenient time I think a lot of like working in in uh, the animation industry or visual effects or anything really I mean Hollywood in general it's all it's like a combination of being ready and good timing in 2003 like a lot of studios were trying to jump on the 3d animation bandwagon all at the same time and one of them was Sony Pictures Animation. So they were vacuuming up you know, new graduates and basically everybody in my class got hired somewhere. And uh, it, it's not like that all the time, you know, um, it changes, but I, I got I got into, uh, my first job was Polar Express, which was a uh, interesting, almost rude awakening to the animation business as far as like internal, uh, I don't know if I realized as an art student, like that the, the, the crews had like morale and that like some movies feel great to work on and some don't and there's all this like glow over the idea of having a job making a movie but like people that have been there for years don't 
you know, it's, it becomes a job and you have to like find other ways to love it. And I landed in like a pretty like interesting morale hole in that movie. <laughs> um, but, you know, that was a blossoming studio that then had open season and surfs up and, you know, eventually cloudy with a chance of meatballs and all the cool stuff they've done since. And um, it was cool to land at that at the right time. But then I switched over to Disney uh, right when uh, Pixar was purchased by Disney and, and got onto uh, Bolt and Tangled as an animator. Um, and then I, after, after Tangled, um, I'd worked with John Cars, the, uh, an animation supervisor and Clay Cadis and Glenn Keane. Glenn is a legend. He's a, he animated Ariel and Aladdin and Beast and Beauty and the Beast. And um, so working on him, with him in this kind of hand-drawn legacy at Disney, but doing 3D and high-tech stuff, I started like um, playing around with different ways to make animation look. And one of the experiments turned into the technology, uh, the software that we used to make the short Paper Man, which John Carr's directed. And uh, like I worked side by side with a software developer for a year to make it look how it did. And really fell in love with the idea of making shorts then. And I, back in art school, you make shorts and you think there's no way this is a career. I'm just using this as a calling card. We're make, I wanna make bigger things. Um, but then you get, you know, you get to Disney and like you get a decent, like a like a really well supported uh, piece of art like that. That really, you know, Paper Man and then My Short Feast, they don't have like a, there's not like a profit plan for that stuff. It really is like experimental and artistic and driven by the people who make it. And um, I think I got I, I got kind of hooked by Paper Man and then. After that, you know, I started work, working on Big Hero 6. I was um, one of the heads of animation on that. And I uh, was you know, bringing Baymax to life, essentially, as uh, leading the, the animation team with uh, another animator named Zach Parrish. And uh, they opened up the shorts pitching program to anybody at Disney. And uh, I think something like 70 people pitched shorts. And um, you have to pitch three ideas. And you would pitch it first to development executives and like kind of work on it. And then and then pitched to uh, the, you know, the heads of the studio. And um, it took about you know, four months of weeding down ideas to them, you know, for them until they finally uh, greenlit mine. But once they decided to make Feast, it was, you know, I had six months to get ready for the window of staff that was going to be available after Big Hero 6. Or, um, yeah, after Big Hero 6. And then, um, and, and then go, go for it. Like, full speed for a couple months until its premiere a year later. So it and was, when uh, you were pitching, you were still working full time. Yeah. You know, and more and then some as the head of animation. It's a yeah. very intense, time consuming job. So you're doing that and you're also working on Beast and the ideas and pitching and everything. Yeah, you pitch uh, three ideas in a half hour. So you for the for the that particular form of the shorts program, which was a which was one that was meant to be theatrical. It's because it's of Disney Plus and everything. It's, I think it's changed a little bit there, but like then you, the, the shorts were gonna be like the front of a movie. I love that. Like that's in Disney's DNA to do that. They've done hundreds of them in their history. So it was a really cool idea to be a part of that and kind of daunting when you look back at the legacy of those things. Um, and Paperman had just won the Oscar. So there was like weird pressure there to, like to uh, make something awardsy. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a really weird thing. The weirdest, the funniest thing about all of that was like they did it via web form, like a little web page where you just 
the like it was like a legality thing. We're like, type in your three ideas and um, like a brief description of them, and then send it, and then we'll set a meeting. And I uh, so assume, I'm the kind of person who like says yes to opportunities instantly, even without having thought through. So I didn't really know these ideas all the way, or what they were, or like like the story definitely wasn't fleshed out. And I call it was um, I called it where the humans eat at first, uh, like way more like pretentious and poemy uh, version. It's of the delightful. Title. It's yeah. Delight. So, uh, but I, you type it in and then they literally like called me that afternoon. Like, okay, can you pitch them tomorrow? And I'm like, oh shit. Like I, I, there's nothing like there was no pitch. So I was like, I'm, you know, big hero six is like really busy. We got this deadline this week. Why don't I pitch them in three weeks to you? And then yeah. I'm like, okay, this three weeks is the time I'm going to invent what these are and, uh, and hope that <laughs> it works out. And, um, it turns out that like that first, I was a little, overly nervous the first pitch is like mm. just talking to somebody and it and, and yeah. with generous development executives uh this one was wonderful her name is maggie malone she's at netflix mm -hmm. now but she's lovely fantastic yeah. uh to be able to work with someone who cares and helps you is really nice and that there was months of that but like that was at first i was very nervous about the um yeah that little web. Thing. I love that you just say yes. Like in terms of the hero's yeah. journey, it's like, oh no, I can't. Okay, maybe I can. And you're just like, you're not uh, burdened by this isn't perfect yet, which I think is also a really good message. Right. And the same thing you said about the shorts that are, um, you know, that they can submit themselves, like do it, just do it. Just put yourself out there and do it. Make a yeah, choice I mean, it's, to say it's yes. It's obvious, but like if you don't take a chance, then nothing's happening. So uh, you might as well do something, you know, like uh, yeah. the worst that can happen is that you embarrass yourself a little bit, but people don't really remember that unless it's like epic, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah. you know, amongst 70 people embarrassing themselves, who cares? Like you, you still yeah. have your job, you know, the, there was a nice cushion of like already being employed there and and they kind of already you know sort of own your ideas yeah <laughs> so, i think uh, this is yes yeah. right exactly i think this is really important too we had a, a listener question ask this about having a day job and still writing and finding the time to carve that out like when i was at yeah. pixar all those years i really didn't do much writing and i regret that because i was so consumed by the job but you know, I had friends, I had a life, I and you know, like I did things. I just wasn't prioritizing my creative life outside of Pixar. Yeah. Um, and I wish I had because I didn't have a kid then. I had the time, you know. So in terms of having a day job, you have to figure out how to find that time. You did it. Yeah. Well, I always had uh yeah, and, and Disney and animating there or Pixar anywhere is a 10 hour to 12 hour a day endeavor. It's not a you know, small thing. Um, it's time consuming. And oh, yeah. I mean, when takes, you're in production, yeah. you're full production. But there are those times when you're not that. Oh, yeah. In that, you know, there there are the swells. So there were like months at a time where I could have been doing something. I'm, I did do stuff. I did do stuff. I wrote a really amazing performance piece about fertility, if anyone's interested. And then yeah. I performed <laughs> it. So, you know, you're welcome. World. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing to be able, like I was in an improv group for a while on Melrose. Like I was doing like like live performing on Friday nights of uh, forty minute improvised stories. So that got a lot of my like creative stuff out there. And then I'm a avid sketchbook keeper. I've done that since school. Where 
I just try to, I just feel like a creative satisfaction by filling up books of drawings. And those also will have like things pasted in them, like notes on story ideas. And whenever I'm feeling a little bit um, dry at the well, you know, I will open up a random sketchbook and see if I can like find a sentence or two in there that used to be something I loved or like had a feeling about. And um, sometimes you can piece together a few of those and make something interesting out of ideas that are currently floating around in your head. And I think some of the North Star stuff that we talk about or that we that you wanted to um, center this discussion about is came from that like um and i can use feces as an example because it's a movie that's watchable and out there on disney plus now um but you that came from a few written down like sketchbook ideas and like a i was beta testing this app for a friend uh called one second every day which is a like video calendar app that allows you to um record like little clips and make like a mega cut of your year uh, automatically and um, I got, I, I recorded all of my dinners in 2012. And I thought it was really cool, like that when you have your a little one second video of each meal with the plate in the middle, like very like, a, like, like a Napoleon Dynamite or Wes Anderson in framing, you know? But um, there's something totally. kind of amazing about like the life that you see around it. And one of the key inspirations for Feast was like, could we tell, like a story on the periphery of, you know, all of the meals uh, that happen within a relationship. And, um, and then I'm a dog person. I've, I've, you know, grew up with, with dogs and I thought it'd be cool to see, you know, a, an animal that relates to you basically based on food exists within that thing. And then um, one of the things that happens when you're working at a big place is you have a ton of really brilliant people giving advice and it's hard to like um it's hard to get over this hump of like not like where your instinct is to listen to everyone a hundred percent and to uh, just take everyone everyone's brilliant advice and find a way to pile it all in and some people aren't quite seeing it for what you are or seeing it a different angle or make it their own or and there's a real lesson it took me a like months to work this out, but um, there's a real like, you, you need to make sure that like whatever they're suggesting, even if they're geniuses uh, and have made wonderful movies that they're aiming at the same way that you are, otherwise you can scatter it. And um, even in a short, which is only a few minutes long, you know, we spent, you, you get so many opinions on these things that you, um, I, I kind of like went off the rails a little bit, you know, a couple months in to the point where the head of the studio uh, basically gave me the note like that it works, but all the magic in the heart of, of your pitch is not there anymore. It's not clever enough. It doesn't feel special, uh, which is a crazy difficult note to get from somebody, um, especially when it came, which is the day before Christmas break. And they're like, fix it in three weeks. And if you fix it, we'll make it. And if you don't, you don't. And um, that's kind of like a challenging thing. So I ended up going back to that video. Like what I had made was a storyboard that was very like conventional in it, the way it was shot. And um, and basically to get an animated film greenlit, you storyboard it, you do lots of drawings and put it to sound and, uh, and then you play it and you actually can kind of see how the movie feels without it being finished. And um, that's what we greenlight off of, or that's what you decide to kind of finish. And uh, I went back to that video and, and realized that 
you know, the, 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 the uh, kind of the art, the artfulness of the food in the center and the cinematography, like the kind of playfulness that you can get out of like messing with the geometry of the frame was the way to bring it back into like special land again, quote unquote. So, uh, and, and it ended up being, obviously it came out. So uh, it was approved. You never really know when you when you screen that one like it's not like anybody ever like stands up and applauds they're like okay make it and it's like like kind of one of the no there's the the movie's <laughs> over and then everyone sort of stands up and shuffles off to the notes yeah. room and you're like um so that doesn't cool. feel great <laughs> yeah like what happens now yeah yeah but you know pretty- you know I, I the chance to get to make something like that is. A huge privilege and, and amazing. So I tried to always just kind of be in that feeling the whole time. But um, I think that's true for any any movie or um, TV show or project that you work on. That like it's kind of a miracle that you get that like you're working on it. I don't want to say it's like like it's it's not like you're lucky specifically because the industry needs creative people and artists to exist. It's not like them gifting us this thing, but also like it is pretty amazing to get to do it. So uh, it's good to keep aware when you can, you know. So that North Star that you talk about, you know, going back to that thing, um, it's as much about um, centering the project for you as that specificity of that thing is what is going to connect it and make it magic for an audience, right? Instead of taking everyone's notes, you kind of bland it out a little bit. But when you go back to that North Star, I mean, that that's how I feel, but I, I'm just curious yeah. what your take on that is. Well, I think I think specific and general, like specific is general and general is specific. Like it's a, like the more specific you get, the more universal you can be about certain experiences. And I always want to make sure, because I've had a few things where this didn't happen and it's disappointing in the end when you like feel like you lost the thing that you loved in the first place. So now my approach whenever I am pitching something is to, start the presentation with the things that I love. Like literally the first three slides are like, I love this, I love this, I love this. I don't even talk about story, just these interesting ideas. And then get into like the log liney stuff, the introduction of what it actually is you're pitching. And it should, they should understand like whoever you're telling the story to, you should understand kind of how those three things merge to make what you're doing. Uh, and, And that way, like you, not only you, but the executives, any the studio, all understand at the top of the presentation what matters to you. That way, if like the worst thing, I mean, it's like amazing to sell a show, but it's really weird when you sell a show and you're like, I think I sold a different show than I pitched, and like then you have to make it, and it and it's just the chance of you actually like loving that and like sticking to it and making it good is really small if you didn't like agree to the core at the beginning, and um, it's really. It's, it's just good to remember, like, um, you don't want to be I think a lot of people, a lot of people, including me who have sold shows and you realize, oh, they didn't buy the show that I was pitching. What do we do now? And it's really hard and disappointing and, you know, cash your check and maybe the show doesn't go to series (laughs) or it does. And it's not just quite the thing like that magic is gone. And it's so hard to figure out how do you fight for that politically, strategically, what happened? Does it even matter anymore? Right? Just sort of in retrospect, recognizing, oh, we lost that. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm like really good at this. Like, this is a very like uh, hard thing to actually like do. Um, 
it's it's just something that when it doesn't happen it's not it's never gone well and i and i feel like that's i mean it's kind of like you know at the beginning of any deal you're like what the contract to be clear <laughs> like what are we making what is this deal that we're making and like if it's not clear it's you're in like this murkiness that you know in any kind of situation is, is tricky um so much of show business though so much of this entertainment industry is murky yeah. like i like that show i sold in the room you know it was like the exact lean back and she goes let's do it and then it was like oh okay we sort of all left the room and i'm like what just happened did is it a go like because everyone was all sort of serious and, and i was like what is that what I think happened? Am I allowed to be excited about this or is this bad news? Like, I'm so confused most of the time because no one says like, okay, we'd really like to make the show. Here's what we're going to do next, which is what I want to hear, right? I want to hear like next steps. what the decision is. I want to hear yes, next steps. What does this mean? When will this happen? But everything is like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's what, well, I need a translator. Yeah. I need a hot, which is why I have a team. I right, found which that is what your a, team is yeah I mean I've also found that like depending on the side of the business things happen a little bit differently like when I like just to I mean to make ends meet sometimes I do commercials and because the commercials are uh usually like a three month schedule to do like an animated thing it's like very tight the producers who are used to doing that thing always end meetings like that like it's they're like because because the, they know that if they don't do that the budget goes crazy instantly. And, um, and it's interesting to me to see like the, you know, I'm like a lot of the stuff about the commercial world is annoying to me. Like they call, when you like pitch on a project and get it, they say they award it to you. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, what is this about? We <laughs> get a medal? Yeah. Like, it doesn't what is, feel like happening? that. I mean, but like, there's a lot of stuff that feels like that, but also like there's a certain efficiency that happens because of the timeframes. It's really nice that like bigger animation studios, they just spin on things for years because they can, you know, and that's, um, and sometimes it gets better. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's always a little bit murky, like you say, uh, like of what really works there. Um, but I think, yeah, I've, I mean, Every time something good or bad has happened, it's always been a little bit like, I'm not sure how I should feel about that meeting. Was that okay? Like, yeah, yeah. And like the meeting that you think you nailed, and you're like, yes, and you never hear from them again. Or the meeting where you spilled cranberry juice on your shirt, for example, they like want to meet <laughs> with you again, you know? It's like, what, yeah. what's happening? Why, you know? But yeah. I, I would like to talk about, um, you know, you win the Oscar for Feast. Very exciting. You're still working at Disney at this time, right? Yes. So, right. So there is a, a trajectory. Win the Oscar for Feast. Okay, now's your big chance. You're going to direct a feature or you're going to, you know, like, how, what do you do next? And so what were the expectations about that time in your life? And like, what, what actually happened? And, and how have you been able, this is a big question, how have you been able to have a career working on shorts? So I, yeah, I think that the, there was a little bit, I wasn't like um, too rosy eyed, like I wasn't too star starry eyed I guess about it because I had seen Pixar director some like Pixar had been making shorts in the program and some of the directors made features many years later most of them didn't uh, a lot of them left some like uh, some kind of were able to get things going and develop but at the point of making feasts like no no director was able to like leave Pixar or Disney and make anything really which is a little bit scary 
And then uh, the alternative is like, there's a, there's a lot of wonderful talent that is in, in Pixar, Disney, and these big studios that have like a roster. And uh, they're all waiting, you know, developing and kind of getting in line and waiting your chance. And um, I had seen people internally that had been trying to make a feature for 18 years and never, like they're a director at a studio and nothing ever happens. And they get like six years down the road on one and gets canceled by, you know, an executive regime change. And then six years down on the next one and that one gets canceled and nothing happens. So it's, there's nothing like, I mean, not all those were Oscar winners, but I don't think that like internally that doesn't matter that much to them. Um, what it does do is open up every single door in to any writer, producer, or studio person. So it was the it was the kind of like wanting to say yes to the opportunity in me to like like if I stayed at Disney, I couldn't take those meetings. Like you just can't do it. It's it would be a conflict. So it felt like no choice at all. Like I was the opportunity to actually see what that was like felt like a life experience worth having. So um, what did happen is uh, earlier that year, I had met Jan Pinkova and Karen Dufalo, who uh, were former Pixar people, Jan, the original, uh, the, the, the original director of Ratatouille. Yes, my um, first job at Pixar was to be Jan's assistant, director's he's, assistant. He's, he's a lovely. Great guy, yes. yeah. And uh, so they were doing the Google Spotlight Stories thing. Like the op they, they basically kind of offered me that, the financial parachute to quit and become independent and a freelancer in having a project to work on um, that would float that time between like figuring out how to like work with an agent and manager and lawyer and like how to take generals and all of that. So that, that was what I need. You need something because it takes a long time to sell anything or get paid. So the idea of going freelance completely with no parachute is terrifying. And I, you know, I've been working on weekly salary for years. So, um, and it's fine, but it's not like you don't get rich being an animator in Los Angeles. You, you survive decently, you know, and, uh, that's what it needs. That's what it took. So it took the Google project to kind of be the, the, launching pad to then you know find books that I love and get other things off the ground and sign on to write and make other projects and um, lots of development is what happened so that. did so you beast happen you start to get little inquiries or you know you see opportunities um that can happen when you're at Pixar so when did you get approached or how did you approach getting representation because like getting books and doing IP there, like all that stuff requires some Representation came, it came, a, basically the interest came a week after, like the week after it premiered at NSC Film Festival. Uh, we had like a really wonderful uh, reviews and response by the public uh, and by the animation community. And my, the manager I ended up going with, uh, Tarek Merhabit, Anonymous Content, like he called me that week, like three days after it was out or something. And it's like, I heard about this thing, uh, let's sit down. And he, uh, you know, I got along really well with them. And that was kind of the, um, the beginning of, of that, you know? Uh, so in, I feel like the, the representation is kind of like, like the reality of like agents, managers and stuff is that they're, they're gonna come to you when you have the potential to earn them something and to- So build, how to get a manager, things. this is what we get asked all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
win an Oscar. There well, you go. I hadn't done that yet. That's that, it. That, that, that was later. Um, <laughs> get your short at Annecy. How about that? That's well, yeah, I think, I think I'm kidding. Getting, I'm kidding. I think, I think that part of it is like making something that people share and talk about, you know, and it get like, everybody wants to be all of the manager agent types want to be the one to discover somebody. They really do like, and build that relationship from the bottom. So uh, you just want to find somebody who gets your a view on the world and isn't so, like the worst version of it is someone who's like tr sending you a bunch of stuff that is like the wrong vibe for you, like just doesn't understand what you actually want to make. Um, and I, you talk to people, you have a few yeah. lunches, a few dinners and see who like actually gets what you're trying to do. And, and that goes uh, to the North Star of who you are as a creator and a as a creative, right? It's knowing what you do want to do yeah. and what you're willing to do to make ends meet, what, you know, just sort of all those things. Cause a manager helps you, they, they can get meeting, they can set up meetings for you, but it's up to you to get the job. Yeah. Most, and of, a lot I, of, most us, of what yeah. I do now is like, like managers, I like they, I, I'd say half of the stuff I do comes directly through my reps and half of it is just like a, a producer I met one day or someone I worked with on a previous project who needs some help on something. It's like, it's not all of it. And I, the way I uh, use my management right now is for original, is to set up original ideas mostly. It's to like, I have this thing, I, I'm gonna, I, I wanna make something like this. Who, what producer out there, who do I need to meet with that's gonna vibe with this thing that's gonna help me make it. And that's really the, the center of what I, I don't use them to send me scripts. I use them to like try to uh, get my own stuff out there and made. Uh, yeah, I just, I just really, this is something we talk about a lot. Like getting a manager it, or an agent, they if they know who you are and what you want to do and can help ask the questions to get that out, so that you can, then they set you up with meetings. Like they don't, I don't know, I don't know any story where it's like, hey, we got this offer for you. Here it is. You know, I mean, like here's a job I found for you. All you have to do is sign this and then you have a job. It's like, you still have to have the meeting and pitch yourself and your vision and then do a lot of free work. And you know, you have to have that North star of who you are and the stories you want to tell. There are, I mean, there are like, when you go out to actors, there are some that are considered offer only, which means it is that it is like, like, yes, uh, I have but, a script being read right now yeah. by an actress that is offer only, yeah. right? And I'm sure there are writers who are active. There are I'm some. not one of those yeah. writers yeah. yet. Like, like yet. for some projects, you will be told, like, we could maybe get this writer to help you, like, craft this thing or to get it sellable, but it's like theirs that, like, it's like literally like, like, you're, it's really not yours after that. So, um, that's kind of the offer only version of a writer. You know, if they really want to engage, they're going to do it, but it's going to be, um, but I don't, uh, there's not a lot like that. Yeah, there's, it's a few. Yeah. Uh, it's not a career, I don't think, or anything to aspire to. Uh, but uh, What do you mean, being a writer? <laughs> yeah, no, like, well, well, like being the person that- Is that what you just said? <laughs> well, being the person that kind of, you know, is, is, is called for the giant movie, you know, like I just, Oh, that's waiting. I'm waiting yeah. for someone to come over. Yeah. I don't know. It must exist. I'm sure it existed back in the day at some point, but. Oh yeah. 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 Sure. I love this conversation. I don't know what Patrick. we're talking about right now. Maybe this, we just went <laughs> off the rails and we're, I'm confused. So maybe we cut this part. Well, I don't Jeff, know. <laughs> Jeff loves it. So maybe, uh, maybe he has an idea of what we're talking about. 
we've been circling around this idea of like not only knowing what our writing is, but knowing who we are. And it's all connected to this North Star thing, which I think is really important. And you alluded to it earlier, Patrick, but I'd love to hear you talk about like, I know you said you're not good at it and none of us are, but when you are working with a team or a co-writer or whoever, how do you elegantly navigate those conversations of, I love these ideas, but I don't think they're the ones. I don't think this is it. And I think this is it. I don't know if you have any strategies or practical advice because it's one of the hardest things we have to do. Oh, it's definitely like, and I don't think I'm very good at it in general. Like, uh, you know, my in, my initial instinct is like to shut down and be like, this is the wrong person. I fucked up, you know, like, like, uh, or I made a choice that I'm going to regret and it's going to ruin everything. And uh, I, a lot of it does come down to like that North Star thing and who is the originator of this. Like sometimes I come onto a project where it's not my original thing. It's, it's a writer who has an idea and wants me to help like shape a visual scope and vision for it. In that case, I'm kind of not working for them, but like they're kind of taking the lead. But if it's something that I had had, I do think it, and I'm asking a writer to come in and assist me, it is definitely one of those like things that I have to stick with that, those few North Star ideas and make sure they understand those. And I've had times where I realized later on that not only the executive doesn't understand what show this is, but the person we brought on to write it also is maybe different at this than what I thought. And, um, you know, it depends on the situation. Sometimes they brought on for a draft and they do a draft and you see what it is. And if it's great, uh, you, you ask for another or a polish. And if it's not, you move on. Um, I've had features that I worked on. I've had a super awkward one. I had a take on a public domain story book. It was a hundred year old book. And I pitched an idea and a big studio bought it. And then they also bought another person's take on that same book at the same time that I was not aware of. And, uh, and, and not only that, they did, there are four versions of the same movie going at the same studio at the same time with different writer director combos. And the tricky thing is like, you getting to a spot with a writer where you're giving notes to them, but then you hear notes coming from the other side that are pushing it in a certain way that's not yours, but you know, if you don't take that direction, the movie's dead. And uh, that happens. I didn't take that direction, the movie's dead, and a huge director came in and did it. Because you're, you're in a spot there where you're like in between being honest with the writer about how you really feel and, uh, and making the thing you want and like actually being in a position where not doing that kills it entirely like a year in which is always a little bit weird. And, um, and then from the writer's perspective, it's like, weirdly, whose fault is that too? Like, it's a, it's a strange place. So I have a question about that relationship and trying to figure out who is the creative center of the project, right? Navigating that, right? That's really tricky. And it, it's not just, um, I'm the writer, I'm the director. Like in TV, I could be the showrunner, but I'm also working with the creator of the show, right? Yeah. And navigating that. I could bring on a supervising director who brings something to it that is like that cracks it and makes it. So trying to figure that out, like being the director or the writer of a feature, sort of it's like who it is and what their role is and what they bring. It's not just it's yeah. this, that, or this. And then all the political stuff you have to consider as well. Um, it's really tricky. The other I thing I wish there were more consider. clear answers. Yeah, the other thing is like there that um sometimes 
there is a person that is clear if this person wasn't involved there's no movie and that's not always the creative center person either like so whether it be an actor or a producer that has or uh, or a director or a writer even i guess um there's always going to be like like the the person that is the most bankable for in the most like uh, has the most influence on it getting out there and made which is uh, also such a critical thing to understand right off the bat or if it's not you you're the one who loses if you push too hard in certain ways absolutely I, i found is that at the beginning it's good to make sure all those people that and if you're bringing in a famous actor that they really get what you're doing and um it's it's a little tricky to go and like you know pitch an idea of yours to a famous person that you've seen for years but like it's also it's it's hard to be completely you know out of your own like you're kind of out of your skin when you're doing that and it's hard to be as honest and vulnerable and in the lava as you guys say as you need to be to really connect with an actor but i feel like people really do appreciate it when you get there and there's like a feeling of honesty that is underneath it then that really helps moving forward you know no matter what happens because once you once you do get on the same page of that you know if the creative and the the bankable person like the person who's actually getting it made like because let's be honest right now in my career um i i make a bunch of stuff that has not made anybody money <laughs> and there's a like you get awards and stuff but if it's like the real currency is like did is there like a did, did, did other people make money on the show that you created is a real way to be like a permanent career. Um, and uh, if you get on, if you, if you get in tune with the people that are making that happen for your stuff, the producers and actors and that are doing it, then you're going to be in a good spot. I think But um, there's, so, there's so many terrible things that can go wrong too <laughs> in that stuff. What's smart though, I think about what you're saying, Patrick, is even when you're, as you say, a little out of your skin or uncomfortable in a pitch or nervous for whatever reason. Again, I think it's that North Star that anchors your confidence and your composure when you're pitching. Because, And I think you're so right that you need to start with that. Pretty much, I mean, every Sheila Hanahan Taylor says that everyone we bring on the show says that pitches, it's kind of like, I look at it as like everything you make is, there's something that it's lowercase a about and capital A about. And like the lowercase a about is the plot. And the capital A about is why you give a shit about it. And I think like you have to start with what it's capital A about before you talk about anything else. And then at least people will say no and they're saying no to your idea, you know, or they're saying yes to your idea, but that kind of has to be the thing. I think. Or they're saying no to the your soul. Yeah, yeah I was going to yeah. say, but that's what makes it so hard is because yeah. you, you, it is personal, yeah. right? They're saying no. Yeah, no, your capital A is not what we're looking for. And you're like, but that's <laughs> me. That's my. But that's right? also yeah. like, that's also yeah. what makes like, one of the things I also like to harp on like or like basically all the stuff anything I would tell an audience of yours is like just really something I'm trying to t- repeat and tell myself over and over which is that like coming out in the movie theater and watching a thing or watching it on tv is like amazing but that is not it can't be why you do it you have to you have to enjoy the making and the writing and the uh, the, the ability to dig into yourself and and actually come up with these things that mean something to you. And that's where the catharsis is. And then getting to share it on pitches is actually kind of nice. Um, oh no, I got leaf blowers. Do you hear that? <laughs> Every episode is one of us. It's like a right, it's a tradition on this show. It's just so it's LA. You. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, sleep blood every day and they're illegal. Like, why are anyone doing this? Um, yeah, but I, I just think like, it's it's so rare that like things get finished and are out there that like kind of treating like pitching or telling someone your story and getting to that heart and feeling vulnerable with them should it, it like you you kind of want to like aim at those moments too because they they're like little like tent poles that can be satisfying and and feel like you're making progress you know and um, speaking to the process right you know animation movies take very 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 long time to the point when the movie comes out I'm like I don't know is that the movie we made right because you see so many versions of it all the time but when you're pitching if you're pitching a feature or a tv show part of that pitch is you want to work with me for however long it takes to make yeah. this thing that I'm going to be somebody that you're going to want to hang out with and you know when I have to call you and say the story I can't break this episode that we're going to be able to work it out together that that it's you know who you are what you bring to the table what the story is everything about it but a big part of it is am I somebody that you want to have fun with and work with and that you trust that I'll be able to navigate some of that complicated stuff with this is why yeah. when you're a brand new writer in tv you will get paired with a experienced showrunner if you sell a show because they need to know that they're going to be able to go to that experienced showrunner to deal with the real crazy stuff that comes up not that they don't think you can but that they want to make the show the best setup for success as possible. So it's less of a, you can't handle it. And more of a, we believe so much in your show and your idea, we're going to set you up for success. I so, wish something like that existed yeah. in the feature world. Feature world, you are literally thrown to the sharks instantly. And it's like, yeah, go, good luck. <laughs> like, like <laughs> well, go try to make you get something. paired with a really you know? good producer, <laughs> yeah. a really good creative producer, or, you know, a, a producer that can be there and as experience, it can help you navigate some of that stuff. Like Definitely, that's why yeah. so many directors have producing partners, right? They have these people that they know they can trust to get through that, that shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like sometimes I look at like, a, like I know the writing pairs and the directing pairs is an interesting like dynamic for sure. It's its own relationship, but I'm like, uh, every once in a while, I'm a little bit envious of that. I'm like, I just talk to myself in a dark room and pretend I'm talking to someone else. It'd be nice if there was like another person that I was actually talking to sometimes. You just pretend uh, you're on a podcast, make your yeah. own podcast. There's like a lot I'm of doing these. Something. I'm making... <laughs> so the camera looks all nice. So when I watch it back, I can feel okay. Uh, well, yeah. I so appreciate your time and the conversation and your very good advice and perspective. Um, but as you may know, we have three questions to ask every guest. Oh, I forgot about this. The three questions. Okay. I'm glad so you're not prepared. Don't think ahead. What brings you the most joy when it comes to directing, writing, whatever, you know, your career, your your job as a storyteller? I mean, hands down, the best part about making anything for me, I, I love, I'm a, I'm a, like a campfire guitarist, I call myself, like regarding like creative skills. Like I'm pretty good at like, I play music. I can sing and play guitar around a campfire enough. I can draw well enough. I can animate pretty good. I can model uh, and write well enough. Um, but I really, you know, my, if I was a different, in a different life, I would have been a musician in some way. And when your movie is finished and you're watching the score, um, the, the scoring session, so much of the work is done that you can actually like breathe for a second and enjoy it. And uh, though, like, I say like, don't look for those like end moments, but those are, that's one that I like, it, it's just like, it's impossible not to break down crying, watching the music like be made. It's just impossible because it's so 
so much talent coming together in a single moment. So I think those kind of things, those really super collaborative moments that you can't do by yourself are the coolest, joyful moments. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like scoring too, it adds a disproportionate amount of artfulness to whatever. Like you can have an amazing script that looks great. I just cut a feature and I feel like, I mean, this was a year ago now, but like adding the score made it feel like a quote real movie where you're like, oh my gosh, it's not just people talking anymore. Like, yeah. So I so agree. Um, on the flip side of that, Patrick, what pisses you off about, I'll say writing, but I'll also say your work, yeah. just the creative, your creative life. I don't like, um, like sometimes you realize that like, there's no way I leave this situation friends with this wonderful person. Just in the, like the general way things tumble out. And you're like, I really wish that I didn't have to be a part of like firing them or something like, like with some kind of, like you have to make a choice, like my career or theirs sometimes. And like, what do you do? And um, that's terrible. It's like the, the, like, I'd like to be, I want to be universally liked by everyone, but it's not possible. And uh, yeah, that's frustrating. The responsibility and the reality of being a boss. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, I, I really just want to make like high budget uh, YouTube videos I send out to the world and somehow like have like don't go bro. A billion likes. Yeah. <laughs> well, just <laughs> like, can you just make what you want and give it to people? I like we're not we're not there yet with animation because it's too hard. But like, it's not we're not Dude, like, terribly far. We're getting there. Yeah, I know. getting there. Very exciting. All right. If you could be remembered for one scene that you've written, directed, worked on so far, what which one would it be and why? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about things that aren't in things, which is weird to say, right? Like uh, things that I'm like, oh, that was going to be amazing. And it got cut and I wish it was there. That's what pops into my head right mm -hmm. away. I, what I am most proud of is the ability to make in Feast to ability to make something that where the score, the uh, kind of the, the geometric uh, dance that, um, shape is doing on the screen and the actual emotion behind it kind of line up in one that you know you can make a silent film montage that that can um actually land a story that kind of makes sense is i i really do i really am happy with where it was i was it's tricky though like right when you finish everything you're like it's all bad i'm not sure anything's good or anyone's gonna like everything it. it takes like a year we're seeing it with a few audiences and you're like oh maybe it's okay and then yeah. years later on disney plus or whatever you're like i kind of like it <laughs> Don't you oh. think it goes from being the best thing to the worst thing to like, it's fine. Like, yeah. I feel like every project at least feels that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I, mostly what comes to mind is things I'm excited to, to do next. Like that's like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be remembered for something I already did. I want to be remembered for something that's like 10 years from now. Well, was, I knew you were going to yeah. say that for some reason. That's why I said so far, that's why I qualified it. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh, he's going to want to say like, this thing I'm thinking of now or working on or gonna do next. Cause that's what I think about. Yeah. You know, when this thing I get to do. All yeah, right. I'm well, like, I'm like 20 so years in. I hopefully can do it another 20 years or so. Yeah, there's more stuff, you know. Sure. <laughs> more stuff. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show, Patrick. It was a delight. And um, thank you everyone for listening. Um, yeah. Uh, it was. You. So great, Patrick. I feel like I just have personally so many takeaways. So I know our audience does too. Um, and if speaking of our audience, if you guys haven't joined the Facebook group yet, I'd highly recommend it. Um, that's where tons of our listeners 
go to ask questions and find communities. And recently, a lot of people have been forming writers groups out of the Facebook group, which I just think is so cool. It's somehow, and I think it's Megan Lorian, but we've like curated this space with a lot of people that's just like unanimously warm and supportive, which especially on the internet just like never happens. So you all rock. And I think we, we vet. So um, we're careful about, you know, either way, I just come join the Facebook group. We'd love to see you over there. And if you do want to join, you have to ask, answer the three questions. They're very we challenging. Don't let you in if you don't answer the three questions, sir, who's the host of the show? What's your favorite movie? And will you follow the rules? Yes. It's a very easy pop quiz. <laughs> um, and also check out our Patreon, The Screenwriting Life. We do a lot of fun things over there, monthly workshops. Um, and uh, Patrick, any last words before I sign us out? I joined the group. It's great. It's the only reason I go to Facebook. Love that. Oh, that's you. quite an endorsement. I think that's why I reached out to you because I saw you um, commented on something on the Facebook group. I'm like, oh, I would love to have him on the show. He made my favorite short. <laughs> um, that is correct. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. I forget what the comment was, but yeah. Cool. It was brilliant. I'm sure. Brilliant. It was visual, musical, everything you need to be. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you so much. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash thescreenwritinglife or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it and not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.